0: Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Western New York race fans, it's time to crank it up. Start your AGR! For the next hour, the airwaves belong to you. Sit down, strap in, and let's head to WGR's Fast Track. All right, take a nice big deep breath, buddy. With your host. Let's go out there and have a good day, all right, bud? Dave Buchanan.
1: Good morning race fans, almost at 11.02, 10.02 here on WGR Sports Radio 550 and welcome to a very special edition of WGR's Fast Track. It is the greatest day in motorsports, the Sunday Memorial Day weekend and we are already deep into a triple header of racing, part of which you'll be spending with us here on WGR Sports Radio 550 as we have got today. The Grand Prix of Monaco, the Indianapolis 500, and the Coca-Cola 600, and that's what we're talking about here this morning, which is why we're on the air an hour early today, because at 11 o'clock we have to throw it to live coverage of the greatest spectacle in racing, the Indianapolis 500, courtesy of the IMS Radio Network. And coming up at the bottom of the hour, halfway through today's show, you'll hear from one of the voices on today's broadcast, turn announcer Nick Yeoman from the IMS Radio Network and IndyCar Radio. He will join us and uh, get his thoughts on today's race and what it's like to be there and all that good stuff. Uh, Nick does a great job on their broadcast, and you'll hear from him today along with the cast of hundreds and hundreds of others on the IMS Radio Network, including uh, Mark James and Donald Davidson, uh, Anders Krohn, uh, uh the other guy <laughs> the we've had him on the show before now I can't the Jake query that was the other one Jake, we've had jake on the show on the, on the show in the past as well too uh they've got a great crew so uh live flag to flight coverage of the greatest spectacle in racing indianapolis 500 starts at 11 here in wgr hopefully they get it in today there is a threat of rain in the indianapolis area uh but hopefully they can get it in or at least get it to an official stage and we don't have to go back tomorrow uh for the indy 500 so that is coming up at 11.35 with Nick Yeoman. Coming up in 11 minutes, though, we're going to go live to Charlotte and bring in Jordan Bianchi from The Athletic. Yes, The Athletic is now covering motorsports, if you haven't heard. And uh, actually, that announcement came out this week. And Jordan is one of the uh, people that has, is going to be part of their motorsports staff, along with Jeff Gluck, formerly of JeffGluck.com and USA Today. And... Um, uh, David Smith from Motorsports Analytics. So uh, Jordan's going to join us in about 10 minutes here to talk about NASCAR. Today's Coca-Cola 600 from the Charlotte Motor Speedway, which will also be here on WGR. That will go right after Indy 500 coverage here on WGR. But phone lines are open for you, 803 550 888 552 Uh Just bring in here this morning your thoughts on any of today's racing action, uh, how do you celebrate this day of motorsports. you do anything special? Uh, just... Your thoughts on today's race at Indianapolis or Charlotte, or if you're watching the Grand Prix of Monaco right now, which they're just past halfway uh, in Monte Carlo with, uh, no surprise, Lewis Hamilton leading, but he has been been stalked around the uh, street course there in Monaco by Max Verstappen of Red Bull for most of the race so far. And uh, he continues to show the way. Unfortunately, they're in replay, so I can't. I don't have the scoring pile on in front of me to give you the rest of the uh, top five or so. But uh, Hamilton does lead Verstappen. Sebastian Vettel is in third. Valtteri Bodas in fourth. Right now, they're in Monte Carlo. So that is uh, their working lap 39 of 78. So just past halfway. And if anything interesting happens, we'll pass that along. Real quick, though, unfortunately, or fortunately, as I've done the last few Sundays here in the program, I always have to start off with a bandit's thought uh, during this playoff run. Unfortunately, that run came to an end last night in overtime in Calgary as Buffalo lost in Game 2, uh, 14-13. What a crazy game. Uh, I was worried when Del uh, Bianco made a huge shave on Jordan Dursa very early in the game. And I thought it was going to be a very long night for the Buffalo offense. Luckily, it wasn't. They were uh, they got out in front, 5-3, but then Calgary went on a five-goal run, went up 8-5, but Buffalo came back, tied it. The teams traded goals back and forth. Calgary took a lead with 54 seconds to go, but then Corey Small tied it with 27 seconds left. Just an epic back-and-forth classic last night between the Bandits and the Roughnecks. Unfortunately, Buffalo came out on the wrong end. They had their shot there in overtime. Uh, Dane Smith with a great chance. Sean Evans with a chance. Unfortunately, Del Bianco made the save. Ball goes the other way, and Reese Dutch wins it for the Roughnecks. Uh Tough end to a great season for the Bandits, fourteen and four. The only time they lost back-to-back games was unfortunately in the NLL finals. But a, a great season after missing the playoffs for two years, uh, the lockout that nearly wiped out the season. But then to put put a team together, signing Matt Vince, of course. Uh, you know the the trade for Corey Small right before the season for Mitch Jones. Uh, Steve Dietrich did a phenomenal job. John Tavares, Rishi Kilgore did a great job as co-head coaches this season, uh, and just uh, honored to. Be a small part of that club, and to be a part of a small part of that ride here this season in uh, 2019. Unfortunately, the team is guaranteed to lose at least two players this summer in the uh, in expansion draft with the uh, new team in Ro- the new Rochester Nighthawks and the team the New York Riptide. So, unfortunately, it, they'll be you know down a couple of players. Luckily for the Bandits, though, they are so deep, uh, one of the deepest rosters they've had in a couple of seasons. So, with even losing two players in expansion, they'll still have some bodies. To quickly fill those positions, and there'll be the draft, of course, and I'm sure Steve Dietrich will make some moves. But it stinks that that group won't be together again because they were a great group, group of guys to be around. And uh, again, hats off to uh, Scott Loffler, Steve Dietrich, and uh, the bandits organization for a great season, and thank you to John Gertler and Randy Mearns for uh, being great broadcast partners, and looking forward to be back next season. But back to fast track, I just had to get that thought off the top of my off the top of my head there, real quick. Uh, but the Indy 500 today. And, uh, man, what, what a race shaping up today in Indianapolis. I mean, obviously, uh, the Chevrolets uh, are the favorite teams today with uh, the qualifying forms of the Penske and the Ed Carpenter cars, but I'm really excited, and we'll talk more about this with Nick Yeoman later on the broadcast, but I- I'm excited for the Andretti cars of Alexander Rossi and Marco Andretti, I guess. Two guys I will be pulling for today are Rossi and Andretti. Uh, I'm, you know, it's no secret, you know how much I like to talk about Alexander Rossi here in the program, but also I would love to see Marco finally win Indianapolis for his family in the 50th anniversary of his grandfather's win at at the Brickyard and the the tribute paint scheme Marco's going to have today. Uh, just someone I'm going to be uh, pulling for today as well. But uh, lots of great stories up and down the grid. Uh, tons of former winners. Of course, Elio will try again for his fourth win in the 500 to join that elite club. Uh, you've got you know Sato and Dixon and Canon and uh, all the great uh, former winners of this race that are going to be going for another uh, trip to victory lane and, and to drink the milk, and then you got uh, all the great rookies in the field: Colton Herta, uh, Felix Rosenquist, Mark Rosenquist, Marcus Erickson, uh, up and down uh, a stro- uh, Ben Hanley, just uh, you know strong rookie class, and then the great story we got last weekend at Bump Day. Uh, with James Hinchcliffe getting in and Fernando Alonso getting bumped out of the 500 uh, with a two-time F1 champion with McLaren. And uh, they just did not have their stuff together last weekend. And McLaren and Alonso went home and uh, did not make the field. And Kyle Kaiser and Hoon Coast Racing, uh, shocking their motorsports world by bumping Alonso from the field of 33. And he made his way in, and Alonso is out. Um a Great story last weekend and bumped a qualifying, but amazing story for Kaiser. And, and great to see Hinch get in. Uh, that just would have hurt so bad had James Hinchcliffe not made the Indy 500 for a second straight year after uh, having chances to win win it in the past. And uh, for the serious incident he had there a few years ago that almost took his life, uh, it'll be great to see him in the field of 33 today. But this event is just uh one of the best in racing much in the same way, I guess like a Kentucky Derby is to horse racing and the Daytona 500 is stock car racing. Indy 500 obviously is one of those events on the sporting calendar that regardless of how much you watch that sport the rest of the year, it's, you know, it's a must see event where everybody uh, has to tune in and uh, witness it. And I just think uh, it's just action packed. If even for a 500 mile race, I mean, just the way, uh, that that race quickly goes by. It's it's over. You, bl- it, you it's over so quickly. It seems like it only you know runs two and a half three hours, but it seems like there's just so much action that race goes by so fast, and the the action is so intense from Indianapolis. And I think that the, what makes this event so great, and it has bounced back so well over the last I don't know six seven years now. Come you know the the failed uh, split, the IRL cart split, all those dark years, and then. The reunification and just these last few years, uh, the the uh, open wheel racing like this has bounced back in a big way, and uh, you know that place will be packed. Uh, On top of just the race itself, but all the other stuff going on. I mean, they've had live concerts going on out of the Brickyard since like 7.30 this morning with uh, the Stink Pit and everything else going on there in Indianapolis. But a crazy day. As I always say, a must-see event, uh, a bucket list event for me. I would love to get there. Uh, and, of course, a big change this year. Of course, we'll have it here in WGR, but if you're watching on television, you have to find a new network because it's no longer on ABC. For the first time ever, it's going to be on NBC today, which is pretty big change uh, and quite an all-star cast. Uh, they have put together nbc has for the broadcast today and it's uh, of course lee diffie who i love i think he does a phenomenal job he is going to be handling the play-by-play paul tracy working with him but uh they're going to have danica patrick which you know take it or leave it but dale Earnhardt jr is going to be on the broadcast which should be interesting to get his insights even coming from the stock car world just cool to have him involved because he's I think he's such a great presence on TV for NBC and Rutledge Wood. But, uh, you know, they're going to have Mike Tirico, too, as kind of the host of the broadcast. It, and kind of just to bring that big name uh, to the broadcast, I think it, it makes a pretty big time as well, too. You know, with his experience with the NFL and the Olympics and everything, uh, looking forward to, to hear the job Mike Tirico does uh, on today's TV broadcast as well. Uh, so, 803 551 888-552-550. Uh, you know, I talked about my kind of personal favorites with Rossi and Andretti, but what about your favorites for today's race? Again, 803-0551, 550 As I said, the the Honda cars might be have lacked so far a little bit in qualifying when it com- compares to the Chevrolet-powered uh, machines as uh, Chevy did take, you know, six out of the nine top spots in the first three rows, including the entire front row. Uh, this could be a battle today between the Penske and Ed Carpenter cars. Uh, Ed Carpenter, a native Hoosier, uh, his team always runs well at Indianapolis. Uh, they seem to excel at this event with Ed Carpenter and his team drivers, uh, Spencer Piggott and Ed Jones. And Carpenter has uh, started on the pole multiple times in this event and has had the chances to win it. But you, it's hard to go up against the legend of Roger Penske at Indianapolis with all of his wins throughout the years. And, again, has a stacked lineup with Pagano, you know, a former champion, Will Power, a former winner, New Garden, and uh, Elio is of course, going for his uh, fourth win in the Indianapolis 500. It should be a great battle today. Again, looking at the front nine, it is Pagino, Carpenter, and Piggott on the front row. Ed Jones, rookie Colton Hurta, Hurta uh, if that's a name you haven't heard before. His dad, Brian Hurta, a former uh, IndyCar cart driver. And uh, he already has one wind as that uh, 19-year-old driver this season in his rookie year for uh, Harding-Steinbrenner Racing. Uh, Team Cohen by George Steinbrenner The fourth, He will start at the middle of row two alongside Will Power, Sebastian Bourdais, Joseph Newgarden, Alexander Rossi in row three. Row four, we Marco Andretti, Connor Daly, and the aforementioned Elio Castroneves. Row five, rookie Marcus Erickson, uh, Takuma Sato, the former winner, and James Davison. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, row six, you've got another former winner, Tony Kanan, Graham Rayhall, of course, his dad Bobby, a former winner, and Scott Dixon, Oriel Servia, Charlie Kimball, JR Hildebrand, row seven, row eight, Ryan Hunter Ray, another former winner, Santino Ferrucci, a rookie, Matthias Laced, row nine, Jack Harvey, Jordan King, Ben Hanley, with uh, a Dragon Speed team that was a huge upset to make the field. Row ten, Zach Veach, uh, Felix, Felix Rosequiv, and Pippa Mann, also a huge story from qualifying uh, the lone female in today's race. She will start in the 30th position and the final row that was set during bump day last week, Sage Karam, uh, Hinchcliffe and Kyle Kaiser, as we talked about. And again, uh, the DNQs were Alonso and then uh, team cars of uh, Max Chilton and Patricio Ward would have been another rookie in the field. Uh, 803-0551, 550 The, the danger is of Indianapolis. Of course is another big story that we've seen a lot of crashes in qualifying. It's affected a lot of cars uh, in the qualifying process, especially Hinchcliffe and Alonso, and that's kind of what maybe was the the margin of success why Hinchcliffe got in and Alonso didn't because the uh, you know the Arrow uh, Schmidt Peterson Motorsports team their backup car was ready to go versus Alonso's McLaren team and uh, the teams they were working with their backup car uh, struggled off the box, which is uh, out of the box, which is why they probably didn't make the field, whereas the Schmidt-Peterson Motorsports team had their backup car in race-ready and qualifying trim very quickly and how they got Hinch into the field. Uh, again, eight hundred three oh five fifty. Right now we're going to go to the Western Hotline and bring in from The Athletic. Jordan Bianchi joins us on the line. Jordan, first off, how does that sound? Jordan Bianchi from The Athletic. Uh,
2: it sounds surreal. I, I can't believe it myself. I, I've had to say it a few times this weekend here in Charlotte, and every time I had to kind of catch myself and pause because it just doesn't seem real.
1: Full disclosure: I booked this interview with Jordan last weekend before the announcement came out, and he did not, you know, let it slip to me or anything. So this was just complete happenstance that we just we just happened to be having Jordan on after this huge announcement uh, with you and Jeff Gluck. Uh, as I said, congratulations! But uh, just real quick, just tell us what you guys are going to bring to the Athletic, and uh, really excited to to see what you guys are going to cover
2: well thank you for the kind words and really we're going to go deeper into motorsports we're going to tell you stories that you maybe don't know we're going to bring you deeper analysis deeper opinion deeper uh new deeper into the news and we're going to tell you why what how what things matter going forward when something does break um really if you are a motorsports fan we are going to cover it for you and we're going to cover it in depth
1: well you are out in charlotte the uh, site of today's coca-cola 600 which we'll have here on wgr coming up later today and Jordan, uh, 600 miles, and this race has been uh, a challenge at best in recent years maybe to watch. But I I think today's race has some hope. I'm expecting some exciting things to happen, especially when the sun goes down today in Charlotte.
2: Yeah, it should be interesting. If you look back a couple of weeks ago at Kansas Speedway, that is another mile-and-a-half racetrack. The, the NASCAR uh, had a good race. I mean, they had a very competitive race on a mile-and-a-half racetrack. And if you can take that, and the same conditions are kind of going to be in, in play tonight where you see a lot of drafting, a lot of strategy, a lot of passing, a lot of aggressiveness because sometimes you got to block and sometimes you got to kind of move guys around a little bit. Yeah, the, the, the makings are there for a good race. And like you said, the last few Coca-Cola 600 have not been the most exciting but the ingredients are there for an interesting show tonight. And I think tonight is going to be a really a fascinating case study to see what this new rules package that NASCAR has implemented for this year, what kind of effect can it have. It's been hit or miss this year at some places, but we're coming off a race at Kansas that was pretty entertaining. Last week's All-Star race was pretty good. So, you know, I- I'm encouraged by what we're going to see tonight.
1: It seems like tonight... Uh, there could be m- maybe a little desperation for a couple drivers in the field i don't know i always consider this mark of the season kind of a a, a a line where if you're not in a playoff position coming out of this race you really almost start to panic going into the summer months because the majority of the playoff fields usually traditionally set coming out of this weekend at least in my personal opinion uh, and there are a few guys maybe in on points or on the outside with points but still no wins this year. I think there there's definitely a few drivers in the field that today's almost a must win for them just to just to get a win on on their uh, tally for 2019.
2: Hundred percent agree. And if you look at it last year, the sixteen drivers that had the playoff spots coming out of this, the the Coca Cola six hundred were the sixteen drivers that made the playoffs. Sure, you are hundred percent correct in that. This is kind of a race that you circle and say, you know, we want to be in good position coming out of here. And you look back at the at the bottom of the standings and see who's on those play in those playoff spots and on the bubble, you know, you've got the Jimmy Johnson, you've got Kyle Bo- uh, Kyle Larson, Eric Jones, William Byron are all names are they're kind of in the mix, or Ricky Sandhouse Junior. Those guys need good runs. They just need good runs. They probably need a win in a lot of respect to really feel secure about where they're at. And if you look at it, you know, I mentioned William Byron. I mentioned Jimmy Johnson. Hendrick cars are pretty strong this weekend. Mm -hmm. Um, Brad Keselowski and Kyle Busch both pointed toward the Hendrick camp, and said they actually have the best cars right now this might be a good opportunity for them to get into victory lane and get that win and put themselves in the playoffs. And I also look at Eric Jones. There's a lot of questions about what he's going to do next year. Is he going to stay with Joe Gibbs Racing? Um, A win would do wonders for him on a multitude of levels.
1: Is Jones on the last year of his contract with JGR? He is on the last year of his contract. Talked
2: to him the other night. He said he's close to a deal. Um, But until that thing is signed, you know how those things go.
1: That, yeah, because that seat, I mean, that's a hot seat. You, you look at who else JGR has in the pipeline, you know, with them and KBM and their development program, especially with Christopher Bell out there lurking in the weeds. Uh, definitely Jones has to be feeling the pressure knowing they've got a stacked system of guys that they can move into that seat if he does not perform this year.
2: That's exactly it. You got a win last year at Daytona, made the playoffs. Was an early exit though. Coming to this season, it's kind of been a roller coaster year. Had a lot of good runs, some bad runs. They haven't necessarily had the finishes to reflect how good they've ran at times. But they need some consistency. This is a good opportunity for them. Jones had a really good run at Kansas, finishing the top ten. I think he's going to be a player tonight. And like I said, if he can get a win, that would answer a lot of questions. And even if you know things. Don't come together at Joe Gibbs Racing as we anticipate and I fully anticipate. I think he's going to resign there.
0: Mm-hmm. Um,
2: he would be a hot commodity, and there's he's somebody that other teams are going to look at. But a win would do uh, would really bonify his credentials. At, you know, whether with, with with Joe Gibbs Racing or somewhere else. Uh,
1: since we brought up. Young drivers, development drivers, a, a quick thought on that. Uh, over at RCR, what do you what do you think of what they got there? I've never, I still not sold on Austin Dillon, but Daniel Hemrick and, and Tyler Reddick, who of course won yesterday in the Xfinity Series race, uh, what do you make of the future of RCR with the talent they have right now?
2: You know, I'm, I like Daniel Hemrick. I've been impressed what I've seen of him. I would, You know, he hasn't got a win yet um, in the Xfinity Series. He didn't win in the Truck Series. He still hasn't won in the Cup Series, but he's had some good runs. He's had a rookie year, which means he's had a lot of mistakes as well. Mm-hmm. Um, there is speed there. He's qualifying better. He, he's putting together better races. Uh, I'm, I'm encouraged by what I see, and I think he's going to have a strong hit second half of the season. Tyler Reddick, to me, has really been one of the stories of the season. You know, last year he won the championship in the Xfinity Series on the strength of two wins, and there were some people that just kind of looked at it yeah, I don't know if he really impressed me or not. And this year, he's come out of the gate. He's got a chip on his shoulder. He's got a bit of an attitude. He's won some races now. Um, he finished in the top ten uh, a couple of weeks ago at Kansas in a, in a Cup Series car mm-hmm. for Richard Childers Racing. I am liking what I'm seeing out of him. He's not making the same mistake that he once did. He's not overdriving. He's not putting himself in bad position. He's taking care of his equipment and making sure he gets to the finish, which in a lot of respect is what you need to do. Um, he seems like he's kind of gotten over that rookie learning curve and has really come into his own. I'm encouraged and impressed by what I've seen out of him.
1: Jordan Bianchi from The Athletic joining us here on WGR's Fast Track. Jordan, you uh, recently wrote about Stuart Haas racing, who are amazingly winless to this point. While all their drivers are currently in a, a playoff position, uh, what is the feeling over there with the, the the new one of the newest members of the NASCAR Hall of Fame leading that organization and Tony Stewart? But how's the feeling over in that camp at this point of the year?
2: Business as usual. They're encouraged by what they have. They think they have really fast cars. They just haven't executed when they've had opportunities to win races. You know, Kevin Harvick probably should have won Kansas, had an issue, made an unscheduled pit stop that cost him to win. Yep. They they just need to have more, you know, from the beginning of the race to the end of the race, they really just need to be mistake-free, and that's the big thing. they are There's a lot of good racetracks coming up for them. They are encouraged by what they see. The package threw them off for a little bit of a loop at the beginning of the year like it did a lot of teams. They have figured that out now, and, and they're much better and more consistent. So I think we're going to see them win. I think we're going to see them win a bunch here.
1: Uh, as I mentioned uh, just a second ago, Tony Stewart, part of the 2019 Hall of Fame class, along with his former boss Joe Gibbs, former teammate Bobby Labani, plus the legendary Buddy Baker and crew chief Waddell Wilson. Uh, what are your What did you think of the? Uh, or excuse me, class of 2020 for the NASCAR Hall of Fame and the five gentlemen that are going in.
2: I thought it was a great class, and I would probably, if I had a vote, I would have voted for all five of those. I think, obviously, Tony Stewart, to me, is a no-brainer. And I think Joe Gibbs is a no-brainer, too. If you look at the number of championships he's won, Daytona 500s, and his impact on NASCAR, and then Bobby Labonte, who's won a championship in the Cup Series, won a championship in the Xfinity Series. Waddell Wilson's one of the best crew chiefs of all time. And somebody really people don't talk a lot about, but from the 70s into the 80s, he he continually fielded cars that won a lot of races, especially in the Daytona 500. And then Buddy Baker, to me, going beyond just a driver, uh, for me as a kid growing up, he was almost the voice of NASCAR. He was somebody I listened to. It's just nowhere beyond that for me. I I think it's a great class. I think they hit a home run.
1: Yeah, you and I are probably around the same age, and I agree. I know Buddy. I remember Buddy in the later stages of driving career. You know, driving the uh, the Crisco eighty eight, but more so the great jobs he always did on uh, TNN and CBS as a broadcaster as well too, and uh, a former Daytona five hundred champion. Selfishly, I'm a little disappointed. Mike Stefanik did not get in again. A nine time champion between the NASCAR Modifieds and the Bush North Series, but that's just me talking as a Northeasterner. But Jordan, going forward, do you think they should keep this five? inductees a year format that they've done since its inception or is it time to maybe tweak things a little bit with the hall of fame
2: uh, i'm definitely in favor of tweaking and i think you have to get rid of the five required you know uh, nominees each year and you have to go to kind of a, a percentage kind of like they do for the baseball hall of fame when you, i think it's 75 percent or 70 percent for the hall of fame ball we to get in and if you look at it nascar we've had people get in the hall of fame when they've had less than 40 percent of the votes I just don't think that's a good look for anybody involved. And I think if you really want to make the hall special and a place that means something, you have to kind of make it hard to get in. And I think the best way to do that is say you have to earn a a special, you have to earn a certain number of votes. And I think you're probably going to see that here in the next few years. There's nothing on the table in the immediate
1: future. Jordan Bianchi from The Athletic. Got to get used to saying that. Uh, Real quick, what what are some of the things you might be working on and and what could we look forward to from The Athletic this coming week out of Charlotte?
2: Sure. We've got some in-depth analysis coming uh, out of the Coca-Cola 600 tonight. Who's going to win? What happened? Um, Some later in the week we have some news about uh, about NASCAR and IndyCar maybe running a doubleheader we're going to be running um, and some analysis there as well. Um, All sorts of content. And then also Jeff Gluck is up in Indianapolis, so he'll have all sorts of stuff from the Indy 500.
1: Awesome. Like I I said, congratulations. Uh, Ever since we've been bringing you on the show here in Buffalo, I always thought you do a a phenomenal job on top of your writing uh, when you were writing for SB Nation before. uh, And I was bummed when you were kind of in a free agent mode and you were doing some work for NASCAR.com, and I was glad to see that. But uh, this is awesome for you. Congratulations. Enjoy it. Enjoy the race today, and uh, hopefully we'll have you on again soon.
2: Always a pleasure, Dave. Thank you so much.
1: All right, Jordan Bianchi from The Athletic, and you can follow him. Uh, On Twitter, he is at Jordan underscore Bianchi uh, on Twitter as well. And we appreciate him joining us on this busy race morning, Uh, still underway in Monaco, about 21 laps to go, but Lewis Hamilton still leading Max Verstappen. When we get back here on the program, we'll talk to Nick Yeoman from the IMS Radio Network about today's Indianapolis 500, which, again, you can hear right here on WGR. That's coming up next here on Fast Track.
2: Hi, this is Kevin Harvick, driver of the Jimmy John's Ford. You're listening to WGR Sports Radio 550. 10.32
1: here on WGR Sports Radio 550, Dave Buchanan, and a special early edition of WGR's Fast Track. We'll be back at our normally uh, bat time, 11 a.m. next Sunday, to recap everything that's going to happen today in Indianapolis and Charlotte and uh, Monaco. 18 laps to go in Monaco. Hamilton still leads Verstappen by about a half a second, so it's close. But uh, catching them is one thing, passing them is another, as the old adage says. Uh, The quick thought there about the Hall of Famer talking to Jordan Bianchi, Mike Stefanik. We had him on the show when he was first uh f- was the first time he became a finalist. and I think that was like five years ago unfortunately. Uh, he he's been on the ballot he stays on the ballot every year. and this year, I think he was like the first guy out like the he had the sixth highest percentage of votes and I believe it was like sixty something percent. so it was above fifty percent, but could not uh, eclipse the the five gentlemen ahead of him unfortunately. Uh, as it is, it's again, the NASCAR hall of fame, not the, you know, the cup series hall of fame. So there has, you know, they induct drivers from all forms of NASCAR racing, you know, with guys like Richie Evans and Jerry Cook already getting in. So hopefully, uh, Mike, uh, Mike's turn is next year, but it, it's, it's tough now because like Tony Stewart, you know, we're getting into the, this time where all these guys Guys that ex, the the great class of drivers of the the late 90s and early 2000s, some of these guys retiring and now are becoming eligible and getting in on their first year, like Jeff Gordon did, and like Tony Stewart has now. So you know, and I think uh, you know, other drivers are going to be coming up soon. So it's going to be challenging with on top of other people that have already been uh, finalists as well. You've got newer names and, and big names that are being added every year after that too. So it'll we'll we'll see though. As Jordan said, it might be time though to maybe uh, change the voting process in general because um, uh, I don't know how many years it's been uh, ten around ten years. I want to say that they've been doing Hall of Fame classes since the opening of the NASCAR Hall of Fame, and they've do they've done five every year, just kind of build it up because there was so much history to catch up to. You know, 50, 60 years of history to try and uh, catch up on top of uh, as I said the the new drivers and personalities that have become eligible in the years since on top of it um, but maybe restricting that where maybe it doesn't have to be five every year it it is so many people that get a a certain percentage of the vote Well, that yet remains to be seen but congrats to the class of 2020 they'll be inducted uh, at the end of January there at the hall in Charlotte but back on the Indianapolis 500 again, that is coming up at 11 o'clock here on WGR. And we're going to bring in one of the voices you'll hear on today's broadcast, Nick Yeoman from the IMS Radio Network. As someone that lives in Indianapolis and has worked with the IMS Radio Network for a few years now, what does this day mean to you personally? Well, it's it's a thrill to be just a small cock in the,
3: you know, massive thing that is the Indianapolis 500. Uh, the, the tradition of this race is one that's, you know, kind of shared by folks in the Midwest, especially those near in Indianapolis. So uh, to get to play a small part is really cool. The, the tradition, the history of this event is just so incredible. And, and I think the, the most fun part is there's people out here at the racetrack today that are diehard fans, that are here for the first time, and there's even some folks that don't even know there's a race going on. They're just here for the party. So uh, it's a special day for a Hoosier, and uh, it's one we look forward to every year.
1: Let's let's start off talking about kind of how we got here and and last weekend with Bump Day. For all of the discussion about guaranteed spots and all that, it it turned out – even with the rain delay and everything, bump day was pretty darn exciting, and obviously the big upset there with uh, Fernando Alonso and the McLaren team not making the field of 33. Well What were your thoughts on the drama of bump day last weekend? Well, I, w- I would hope that uh, how much fun and how dramatic
3: bump day was last weekend, that that'll put the Fed any of these ideas that, that maybe we should have locked in spots. The, the beauty of the Indianapolis 500 is you still have to earn your way in. You have to qualify if you want to race. And uh, as you mentioned, just incredibly dramatic to watch uh, one of the smallest teams in the sport, Hookos Racing, which is based in Indianapolis, you know, put together a backup car that I don't think a lot of people gave them a shot to make the race. And lo and behold, they knock out two-time Formula One world champion Fernando Alonso and the McLaren team. It was just incredibly dramatic. Uh, a lot of fun. I know our listeners, listeners enjoy tuning in and, and, uh, and hearing the, the drama, but uh, it was great. I mean, you have to earn your way into the field. And, and certainly when we drop the green flag here, uh, it's going to be the 33 fastest to make the race. And that's what I really honestly hope that it always
1: is. And how about Hinch? I mean, the, the, his relationship with with this with that racetrack and this event, uh, almost losing his life a few years ago there, uh, starting on the pole one year, missing the race last year, and then almost missing it again this year. What a, a crazy relationship James Hinchcliffe has with the Indianapolis Motor Speedway.
3: It's honestly incredible. I mean, there are some veterans that have been coming to the Indianapolis 500 for many years that have very ho-hum, nothing to write about uh, years at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. For James Hinchcliffe, it's always something. uh, As you mentioned, lots of highs, some incredibly low lows of, of nearly losing his life. And then as you mentioned, he was one of the drivers that had to wait an extra day to see if he could make the race. I think for those in the sport, we were all fearing, oh, no the most popular driver in, the, in, in IndyCar is going to miss the Indy 500 again. This would be a nightmare scenario, but mm-hmm. uh, give a lot of credit to that Schmidt Peterson team. They put some speed into that car, trimmed it out, and James did a great job of putting that car in the race. Now, can he win today from the last row? It's never been done, but uh, for James Hinchcliffe and that crew, I know they're just happy that they're in the race and not having to watch from the
1: sidelines like last year. Definitely, definitely. Uh, up front, it's a different story, kind of a, a tale of two teams with the three Penske cars, and then the three Ed Carpenter racing teams I don't know I don't know if it's Davy and Goliath David and Goliath with Penske versus Ed Carpenter but can you compare like this matchup at heavyweight power like Penske and Ed Carpenter three cars so they've got you know some force behind them but they're still smaller I guess in comparison to Penske and a hometown team uh, how would you describe this this uh, matchup between these two organizations yeah,
3: no, it's, it's, it's fascinating because when we come to Indianapolis Ed Carpenter Racing kind of feels like one of those powerhouse teams, but you know, you follow IndyCar very closely by and large, for the rest of the race weekends, Ed Carpenter Racing is the middle to the back of the pack team, so mm-hmm. it's always an incredible story to see you know the Butler Bulldog, the Indianapolis native Ed Carpenter bring his three-car team, and they're right there, knocking on the door uh, for the pole position they didn't get it this year, but Ed's got three poles to his name, the interim thing now becomes... Do they have the pit stops that are fast enough? Can they stay on top of the strategy that we know Team Penske is ready for? It's going to be a fascinating matchup. But you're right. Those are the two teams that I think we're looking at. That, that The odds on favorites are probably coming from those uh, seven drivers, the four for Team Penske. They put three in the fast nine, and then certainly uh, Red Carpenter Racing with, with young Ed Jones and Spencer Piggott. Some talent, a little wet behind the ears, but uh, we know that those race cars are really, really fast with Ed Carpenter's car starting
1: Second, third, and fourth. Nick Yeoman from the IMS Radio Network joining us here on this special edition of WGR's Fast Track. Uh, Another team that uh, I'm very excited about today, I think, is Andretti Autosport. Uh, Obviously, with with two great stories Marco Andretti uh, looking to repeat what his grandfather did 50 years ago in winning this race and getting the Andretti name back to Victory Lane in Indianapolis, and Alexander Rossi, who came out of nowhere a few years ago to win this race, and now has become one of the sport's biggest stars, someone I'm a big fan of. Uh, How do you think their two chances stack up today against the Penske's and the Carpenters in the field? You know, we'll we'll start with Marco Andretti. I think he's kind of had a a
3: quiet month of May. He's been efficient starting in the front half of the field, but I I still don't think a lot of people are talking about Marco as a driver that can win this race, and I, I think that's kind of dangerous because, as you know, Marco's got a lot of experience at this point in his career and has mm. come awful close many, many times. It's a beautiful-looking race car with that throwback scheme uh, to, to Mario's win back in 1969. So we'll see if Marco can, uh, can maybe you know throw off that Andretti luck and put that car in victory lane. It'd be a tremendous story that would certainly make national and international headlines. And then Alexander Rossi is the one guy that I look at that can kind of upset the Apple cart and prevent one of these Chevrolet teams, the Ed Carpenter, Team Penske cars that we we're just talking about i've watched rossi in in carb day practice a couple days ago watched him in the monday practice after qualifying and there is nobody that can move his car around the racetrack pull out and pass quite like alexander rossi i think him and his engineer jeremy millis they've got a feel for this place he wanted it in a debut a few years ago when everyone was kind of like, wow, who is this kid? We found out in the last couple of years, okay, Alexander Rossi's the real deal. I think Rossi's got a really, really good chance of putting that Napa car in victory lane today.
1: And then, Nick, I want to ask you about the rookie class, of course. Uh, maybe one of the possibly best rookie classes at Indy in quite a few years with Colton Herta, uh the Swedes, Rosenquist, and Erickson. What do you make of the rookie f- field for today's race?
3: It really is. Top to bottom, one of the most talented rookie classes we've ever seen. You mentioned the two Swedish drivers. They are rookie drivers in name only. Yeah. Felix Rosenquist and Marcus Erickson have a ton of of really high-level motorsports starts. Erickson's got a lot of Formula One experience, and Rosenquist has driven just about everything, and he's been really fast. Also drives for one of the best teams in the sport in Chip Ganassi racing, so those two are certainly going to be a factor. And then the one to watch is is the one starting up front. The second-generation talent, Colton Herta, uh, is just a superstar in the making. Already an IndyCar winner at 19 years old Mm -hmm. when he won a race down at uh, Circuit of the Americas in Austin earlier this season on the NTT IndyCar calendar uh it's going to be fascinating because you know it's one thing to go fast for 10 15 20 laps in practice putting 500 miles 500 perfect miles together to win the indianapolis 500 takes a lot of experience and it's experience that those rookies quite frankly don't have so we'll see if they can match the talent and learn quickly those guys might be a factor would i pick any of them Probably not, but uh, you and I both know that there is some incredible talent, and it's really exciting, quite honestly, for the future of IndyCar to watch as Erikson and Rosenquist mm-hmm. and uh, and certainly Colton Herta five, ten years from now, how good they could be.
1: Nick, we we quickly covered about a third of the field, but there's still a lot of stories in there. We can't cover them all, but uh, you know, former winners, you know, the Elio's, the Tony Kanans, Ryan hunter rays I mean, who's who's someone else you're looking at today that we haven't mentioned yet? Well, I love row number six
3: because you've got two former winners in Scott Dixon and Tony Kanan and then Graham Rahal, who always finds a way to be pretty racy. Those drivers struggled a bit in qualifying, but I think those are three names that you know are going to make some moves, jump to the outside, pass some cars. I'd look for Rahal, Dixon, and Kanan to all charge their way through the front of the field uh, by the
1: midway point of the race. Nick, we're looking forward to the broadcast today here on WGR. What can race fans listening look forward to on the uh, pre-race show and the race itself?
3: Well, for about the first hour, you're going to hear it from a lot of the drivers, and you're also going to hear the pageantry and the traditions of the Indianapolis 500, the playing of taps, the national anthem, and then, of course, thankfully, I don't have to talk my way through uh, the intro to Back Home Again in Indiana, because (laughs) as a native Hoosier, I always get choked up through that, Uh, and then about an hour later, we'll be dropping the green flag for the 103rd running of the greatest spectacle in racing.
1: It's uh, from the moment the the theme music hits to the open to Mark James's you know opening comments, it, Donald Davidson stories. It's one of my favorite parts about today is the the radio broadcast, the Indianapolis Five Hundred. You guys always do a spectacular job.
3: Well, Dave, I really appreciate it, man, and uh, and thank you so much for having me on. And, and we appreciate everybody up there in the New York area that uh, are going to tune in and, and share in the tradition.
1: Nick, thanks for the time. Have a great race day. Have a great call. And uh, again, we'll be listening here in Buffalo. All right. Take care. Nick Yeoman, IMS Radio Network, one of the turn announcers, and uh, had a great chance to uh, catch up with him this weekend and get his thoughts on today's race, the greatest spectacle in racing, the 103rd running of the Indianapolis 500. We get back. We're going to wrap up this special edition of Fast Track. We've got the local racing roundup. Again, a hit or miss weekend for local racing with the weather. This time Friday was the better of the days, unlike the last couple of weekends when kind of Saturday has won out but we'll hit the results there were. Uh, We can still squeeze in a few phone calls to 803-0551 888-552-550. We get back to wrap up Fast Track here on WGR.
0: Let's find out who visited Victory Lane this weekend. It's time for the local racing roundup on WGR's Fast Track.
1: We'll start off Going back to last week, we talked to Kenny Schrader here on the program. Unfortunately, Sunday night, his feature got rained out at Humberstone, but Monday night did pick up the win in the UMP Modifieds at Merrittville, so uh, congrats to Kenny Schrader. That's twice this year we've had a guy on, and uh, then go to Victory Lane in his next race. Did that with Matt Williamson earlier this year, too. Uh, Friday night action, Lancaster Dragway NY at uh, NYIRP. Joe Piscero picking up the win in top eight. Mo Alfaki in the Buffalo Street Outlaws. Chris Scarlotta got two Buffalo Street Outlaws Street limited wins. Pete Maduri Sr. in the TNT Super Series. Alan Fletcher in Bikes and Sleds. And Derek Kovac got the win in Streety Team Friday night at Lancaster. Uh, Freedom Motorsports Park, they had a great turnout of super late models for the Ron Baker Memorial. David Scott got the win over Chubb Frank and Dave Hess. Sportsman Brad Rouse over James Henry and Zach George. Bill Taylor in the street stocks. Matt Mowry in the mini stocks. And uh, in the Bandits, it was Tierney White picking up the win at Freedom out there in Delvin. Ransomville finally got a show in on Friday. Eric Rudolph won the 40-lap modified special over Matt Williamson and Gary Lindberg. Brett Senek, who won the track championship last year without a feature win, kicked off this year with a feature win in the Sportsman. Corey Sawyer in the Street Stocks, Mike Kramars in the Mini Stocks, and uh, Butch Zimmerman got the win in the Novice Sportsman at the Big R on Friday night. Saturday was pretty much a washout for everybody. Merrittville, Genesee, uh, State Line, everybody got rained out on Saturday because of that uh, big uh, line of thunderstorms that came rolling through the area. Uh, State Line Speedway is actually going to run Monday night at uh, 7... uh, hot laps start at 5.30. I think 6 o'clock is when they're supposed to start. But they've got uh, the Super Late Models, uh, the ULMS Super Late Models, uh, 37 laps, $5,000 to win on uh, Monday night there at the State Line Speedway. Tonight, if you're looking for action, Humberstone has got their weekly program that starts at 6.30. Um, and then uh, also uh, tonight, um, Erie Speedway has a also has the Super Late Models tonight uh, down at the Erie Speedway. Uh, that's a big race. So if you're a Super Late Model fan, lots of great action tonight and tomorrow. Uh, Coming up this Friday night, Spencer Speedway, the Race of Champions Modified Series, has their second race of the year. First one of the year at Spencer, the uh, tribute to Don Pratt 62. Should be a great field of cars. Uh, All the series regulars, including uh, Patrick Emmerling, is expected to be there as well, too, up against uh, the likes of Chuck Hosfeld and Andy Jankowiak and Mike Leedy. But uh, that should be a great show with a lot of bonus money up for grabs this Friday night over at uh, Spencer Speedway. Uh, Ranceville has the Patriot Sprints coming up this Friday night. Uh, hopefully getting back-to-back shows in there at the Big R. But uh, just great to be back behind the microphone the, this past couple of uh, weekends, the Humberstone last Sunday, and then Ransomville on Friday night after the uh, rain-delayed start to our 2019 season. But good to get back at it, uh, and hopefully a nice long summer ahead. If you are watching the race today or listening here on WGR, be sure to tweet at us, uh, at Fast Track 550. Uh, throughout the day if you ever uh, want have any thoughts you want to share about the race we can talk more about it next week of course too on the program but uh, you can uh, send us your tweets at FastTrack550 during the race today uh, either the Indy 500 or the Coke 600 uh, didn't cover the the starting lineup actually for today's Coca-Cola 600 which is the 60th annual edition of uh, the race that was once called the World 600 but uh, William Byron on the pole Eric Almarola alongside in row one Kyle Busch Austin Dillon, Kevin Harvick, Daniel Suarez, Joey Logano, Clint Boyer, Ricky Stenhouse, and Daniel Hemrick, your top 10 starters today for the race. Uh, Kurt Busch, Chase Elliott will be 11th and 12th. Martin Truex starts 14th. Jimmy Johnson in 15th today. Ryan Blaney qualified uh, 19th. Denny Hamlin 20th. Keselowski in 21st. Ryan Priest qualifying 24th. Bubba Wallace qualifying 29th for uh, today's Coca-Cola 600. And uh, it'll be... Definitely, if you don't want to watch the whole whole race or listen to the whole race, because it is kind of a, a slog at times to get through, but I really think once the sun goes down, I think the action's going to pick up. As we talked about with Jordan Bianchi, uh, the race at Kansas got really good uh, under once once the sun went down in Kansas, and I, I think once it cools down, uh, the arrow package is definitely suited uh, to the nighttime racing. So I think the... First half might be a little more single-file, leader, runaway-type racing, but I really think uh, getting into the uh, later stage of the race, it should be very intense. They're in the closing laps at Monaco, and just some contact uh, out there, I think, between... Uh, Pierre Gasly and Valtteri Bottas as uh, Lewis Hamilton up there. Two to go at Monaco, and Hamilton is leading by uh, almost uh, second and three quarters over Verstappen. Verstappen was down to a half a second uh, just before we came back on the air, but uh, they are running out of laps in Monaco, and Hamilton looks to be on his way to chalking up another win as his lead is still about a second over Verstappen. Vettel, Bottas, and Gasly are top five right now. But uh, it's kind of been the same story all race with Verstappen, just kind of chasing Hamilton around the streets of Monaco this morning and uh, not being able to catch him. As it's uh, pretty been a, a pretty uneventful race, not a whole lot of controversy outside of that contact that just took place. I believe it was. Uh, I believe it was Gasoline Bottas. It was definitely one of the Red Bull and Mercedes cars tangling uh, just a minute ago. Just some contact, but everybody kept on going as uh, they'll be coming for White Flag uh, in just a minute. So again, 11 a.m. Uh, in a, just a few minutes, we will uh, go out to Indianapolis for uh, coverage of the Indianapolis 500. And then right after that, uh, around 6 o'clock, I believe, 5 or 6 o'clock, this evening is when uh, we'll throw it to the Performance Racing Network, Doug Racing Company. We'll have live flag-to-flag coverage of the Coca-Cola 600 here on WGR. So thanks for listening. We'll talk to you back here in our usual time of 11 i I'm here next Sunday with uh, more Fast Track here on WGR.
0: Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it.